from the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes! Welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast. Staying inside, staying warm as uh, we're getting dumped on with snow yet again. Uh, but I wanted to catch up with somebody we haven't talked to in a while. We haven't had a football podcast uh, here in a while, but we had signing day. We've had a flurry of moves. Uh, no pun intended uh, with the flurry. Um, <laughs> we've had a flurry of staff moves transfers, recruits, and uh, now Illinois and its staff. Very busy in the class of 2022. Uh, but we haven't caught up with our guy Isaac Trotter, who's up in uh, Minnesota uh, doing his thing at another gig. But I know people love hearing from Isaac. So what's up, Isaac? How you been, man? Oh, I'm I'm just doing great. You know, it's kind of one of those things where I'm just kind of settling in a little bit. Got, got everything kind of rolling, but it's always good to catch up with you and see what's going on down in Illinois country. I got to – I mean, we got to start here. Hiring Joey is just like <laughs> – maybe like the best news I've heard it like that was awesome that was awesome I think that that is like just the star-studded cast and then I saw Reggie Corbin tweeting like the dream team is back together and I was like that's that's good so I'm, I'm really really excited for the site and for you and Joey and everybody can I put it on the record you and I have chatted like we, we've chatted but you're at a different point in your life you're doing your own thing it's like you gotta let the offensive coordinator go be a head coach somewhere right so like maybe someday it works all together at some point uh but no i'm very joey's doing great work of course you know him very well i know you guys are buds but uh i couldn't be happier uh with with what he's doing and and you know like you were my you know, third guy we added you and you were basically that guy and i love uh, i would have loved to have added you as well but you and maddie doing your own thing and I couldn't really afford a full-time writer at that point, but now with all the support we do, um, we made it work out. So pretty happy through about a, it. Through a pandemic. Like that's just, <laughs> that's just awesome. That's just awesome. I, I think that, you know, I just think that the site is, cause I keep tabs on it. I still read the board almost every day and all that stuff. And it just feels like it's just a good place right now. It's got a really good place. And I know that you always have like, you're never satisfied. You're always thinking the next step, the next big thing to get to. But man, it's just like sometimes I, I, w- I hope that you could just like settle and just be thinking for a second like, man, we got a good thing here rolling. And, I, and it's just it's awesome to see. No, I do. I do know we got that. We thank everybody for all the support. But, um, you know, you're always thinking ahead. You always got to keep, keep thinking ahead. All right. I, I do have to start here. What is the more surprising news for Isaac Trotter? That Nolan Arenado is officially a Cardinal and you paid pennies on the dollar for him. You're not even paying him this year. The Rockies are paying you to pay a Hall of Famer, possibly. Or that Miles Smith is an NFL assistant. What is more surprising to Isaac Trotter? No, it's definitely Nolan Arenado because there was all of like, I never thought it was going to happen. And I tweeted it a little bit earlier, like in, in late January, that Miles Smith to the Texans made a whole lot of sense. So I, I, I wish I was surprised, but I'm really not by that news. How did you not break that? I mean, I thought your connections on the Miles Smith beat would have would have gotten you that one. You know, as, as the longtime Illinois linebackers beat writer, it was just uh, I, I felt spurned a little bit. Maybe it was the block on Twitter. Just couldn't quite find a way to get through. You weren't the only one. You weren't the only block. Yeah. Yeah. He just, Miles might have got a new phone number. We just, we don't connect as much as we used to anymore. But you know, what a coaching rise for him to not be in the industry for three years. And now he's the linebackers coach for the Texans. Like, that's just, that's crazy. Who's in that room? I mean, Whitney Merciless is in that room, the Illini connection there. 
Uh, I was just thinking about like who he'll be coaching. Uh, but we know Lovey Smith will probably be in that room quite a bit too. Yes. Uh, that's a, that. Yeah. I, I think that that might be a linebacker coach in title, but really the linebackers coach is Lovey Smith. And, you know, I, I mean, we can kind of jump on it and make it look like a bad hire. I mean, if you're looking if you're from Lovey Smith's perspective, I guess it's like, you know, you, if you want somebody who knows your system, that's probably a guy that knows it. And if you want somebody who's probably not going to come at you with, you know, maybe a different idea, that's probably the guy you'd want in your room and good for Miles Smith, I guess. But I, I don't think that I'm going to be, uh, missing miles and lobby smith too much in the next in the next couple of years all right nolan arenado to the cardinals you and our text thread we've been tracking what like the win total for the cardinals would be every move and it's usually been the moves that the other teams in the nl central don't make well you guys have done nothing but let colton long go but now all of a sudden it's all worth it because you add nolan arenado um so where do the cardinals stand in the nl central what's your win total at right now yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the year, I thought it was like an 85 win thing. And then when Schwarber left the Cubs, I'm like, okay, 86, 87. And then when you see the Brewers start to do their thing and the Reds, like just shipping great talented dudes off, I'm like, okay, 90. Well, now that Arenado's here, I'm, I'm thinking 101. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like this is the best team in the NL Central. I don't, I don't know if they can win 100 games. Uh, Dakota Hudson's injury really limits that rotation a little bit. It hurts it a little bit, but... I mean, I just think about this infield defense that you can have where Nolan Arenado's, you know, doing his thing at third base and Paul Goldschmidt's at first base. Like, that's just – that's an elite combo. And I just think back to a couple years ago when the Cardinals are trying to teach uh, Martinez, Jose Martinez, how to play first base and Matt Carpenter's over at third base. And, like, the improvement that we made there is just nuts. So, I think, I think the Cardinals are definitely in that mix. I think they should win 94, 95 games. They have the upside for 100 if they stay healthy. And, and this is a team that can be really, really good. I don't know if they're, you know, Padres, Dodgers, Braves elite yet, but they're definitely in that conversation and they'll definitely have them give themselves a chance with this deep, deep pitching staff. Yeah, I've told you this before. I'm a huge fan of John Mazalock, even though I think Cardinals fans always want to have, I think, that Yankees feel, that Red Sox feel, even the Cubs feel at some times where it's like, we can just blow it out of the water and win the offseason. I feel like White Sox fans are really wanting that too. Like they want to get Bauer and win an offseason. Like that's how you get your banner. Mazalock knows you need as many bites at the apple as possible. So while some of those other teams have to like tear down and rebuild, the Cardinals every year are in the mix. Um, and every year they have the prospect capital. They have at least enough financial wiggle room because they have so many fans come to these games, right, when, when we're not in a pandemic, that they have the opportunity to go aggressive and go get Paul Goldschmidt, who's an MVP candidate for, what, seven straight years, uh, to go get Nolan Arenado, who's one of the top 10 hitters in all baseball, position players in all baseball. Um, and now you got those two guys in, what, the span of three years? That's pretty unbelievable. So I know he lays back a little bit, but, boy, he pounces when he gets the opportunity. And, man, this could be, like, for everything Mazalok has done, I mean, this is one of the most impressive things he's pulled off, isn't it? 100%. And, like, the thing is, is that, like, I was texting Jake Hassan, our friend who's in the group chat, too, and it feels like the moves that they don't make lead them to make moves like this. So maybe not bringing back Marcelo Zuna wasn't that popular at the moment. It means you have more space to be able to add somebody like this. Maybe maybe bringing Colton Wong back, we would all like that. But maybe the Cardinals go, listen, we, we can kind of get Colton Wong's production from Tommy Edmond for cheaper on the dollar. So it's like you can kind of understand some of the moves they don't make when you go and make these big splashes. And all of the John Mozeliak hate, you could table that for the next two, three years because you can't say that he's cheap. 
you can't say that he doesn't give you a chance. You can't say that, you know, he doesn't value winning and he's fine with the status quo and just fine getting 3 million people through the doors at Bush Stadium because these moves totally contradict that. And I'm so excited just to that first couple games, just seeing what Nolan Arenado can do and seeing Goldschmidt. And I'm thinking of lineups and how does this help Dylan Carlson? And man, I mean, Miles Michaelis is going to come back and have a career year with this defense, this infield defense. Like it's just, it's really fun. It's really, really fun. And I, I really am excited for baseball too. Yeah, you uh, you and I are excited. White Sox fans, Cardinals fans, um, our boys Trevor Valise and Austin Berkland, not so much. They, they hate the baseball thing, right now. The thing is, is that I still look and I go, the Cubs still have a great lineup. Like, I still do. Like, Could. their pitching staff stinks, but if, if that lineup comes together, I mean, Ian Happ, Jason Hayward are like their fifth and sixth best hitters behind their core four. It's like, man, if that lineup comes together. They could be good, and we both like Jock Peterson. Yeah. You would have liked him on the White Sox, yeah. so I still think that I still think that Cubs fans should rejoice a little bit because maybe maybe you give up five runs a game, but this offense could score six or seven. Uh, they will every once in a while, and it'll look great, and then they'll score two for a week straight. <laughs> and that's that's been their problem. A lot of name brands on that team that that need to produce. All right, I guess we should talk Illini. Uh, so let's take a quick break. I want to get your thoughts on Brett Bielma, what he's done so far, what you think this team could look like in 2021 because it basically looks like 2020 again um, and what Bielma can get out of that. We'll do that next. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Deucible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. All right, Isaac Trotter. I know we haven't talked uh, on this pod since I think Lovey Smith was fired and we went over some coaching candidates, right? I right. think that was the last yeah. time we chatted. And sorry, they, they didn't get Nathan Chilas. Are you okay? I, I, I'm okay. I'm okay. I understood it from Nate's perspective. He's not quite ready yet, but um, no, I'm talking head coach. You were you were driving that train, man. I still think it would have been worth the while, but you know, maybe maybe it's now where we have a little bit of time seeing what Bielema has done. It's like, okay, I could get it. I get like where you're at in the program. You're not really at that stage for for Shieldhouse to come in. Maybe down the road. Maybe in five or six, seven years, if, yeah. if Bielema doesn't quite crush it, like like we all hope he might. Yeah, that would be if you made that kind of move. It's just like. Yeah, you. I mean that. That's such a bold move. Like if you went with him, um, I don't. Though I do hear Bioma, uh in Illinois talked with him uh, about possibly the same role George McDonald had, which that was a great hire too. Uh, but yeah, overall, what have you thought? You know, six weeks into this tenure, what are your overarching thoughts about Bielema so far? You know, you came out with that column about Bielema has a plan for that, and it's just that hit the nail right on the head because that was my thought the whole time. It's like man, just seeing the snippets on Twitter and, and all of the different things, he's got a plan. And I I think that Lovey Smith had a plan, but the execution of the plan maybe didn't go according to what he thought. And maybe there was a little bit of, of this is how it's always been for me. This is what's worked for me, and I'm just going to stick with it. And I think Bielema's done a really nice job of taking the failures of other stops 
and uh, maybe learning some different things from different voices and kind of putting it into this and how to how to attack it, how to use the media to, to your success, how to put a staff together that is an envy of a lot of other places. Like this staff that he's put together is awesome. And then also understanding that it's not time to rebuild. It's time to retool and be aggressive right now because you just – I mean, you just got to win games as fast as possible in this business. And I think Bielema has a better grasp on it. And he's just been really refreshing, really refreshing early. Just his approach to this job and how seriously he takes it and, you know, the plan of action behind it. Yeah. And when I wrote that column, I wanted to make sure, like, maybe I should have said this more. Like, Lovey Smith had a plan. His, his plan his plan was to tear everything down and build it up again, which after the Beckman era wasn't that ridiculous. But I think we saw with Beck – um, you know, as flawed as he was, he couldn't win with the guys he inherited. And that really hurt him on the recruiting trail. Uh, where Beck did put a huge effort in state, you know, recruited in the Midwest, doing a lot of things Bielema did. It's just Bielema comes with a lot more cachet. And personally, he's just easier for people to get along with and not as odd, right, as, as Tim Beckman was. Um, Lovey Smith wanted to get rid of all of that, and I think Josh Whitman agreed with him about that, and then build it up with these young guys and hope it all pays off. Well, it did for about a four-game stretch there in 2019, which was fun to cover. It was exciting. Uh, and they went heavy transfer portal. Uh, and, and the way college football has changed, it's easier to go to the transfer portal now. So I think Bielma does have, have the advantage of that. And boy, does he have the, the advantage of all of these guys being able to come back for next year with eligibility. So he has some certain advantages Lovey Smith did not have, but I do think he's got a better grasp of how important these first couple of years of just even competing, Isaac. Like th- that's what it is. You got to be able to compete, show progress on the field, not go two and ten, not go three and nine uh, in your first two years, and you know all of a sudden you're just all you're selling is playing time and and the name brand of your coach. You're selling like, hey, look what we've done our first couple of years. You could be the piece that puts us over to the top to where, hey, we're competing for Big Ten West championships here. So I think he understands that. And then you said it, the staff he, he's put together. Even Brett has admitted here recently, like, I'm surprised by what I was able to put together, especially those last two of George McDonald and Kevin Kane. Those were just like, those are those are guys I had on my offensive and defensive coordinator list, right, that you got as assistant coaches. This is a staff that I think Minnesota, where you're at, would be happy. Uh, Iowa would be happy with. I think even a staff like Michigan, like, they would probably be like, hey, that's a pretty good staff at Michigan. And, and he got that at Illinois. So I think that's really encouraging. And I think that you and me both had really good relationships with a lot of the previous staff members, right? Like Mike Bellamy is as good as a dude as there is. I think we both really like Rod Smith and, and just the type of person that he is and the character that he is. So I, this isn't a disrespect or shot at them, but this staff is much more equipped, it feels like, to tackle the college football game, right? Like you're, you're having a lot of guys who this is their college football lifers. This is what they do. This is what they've done. They've been successful at it in the past. And now it's a group effort. I thought Corey Patterson staying was a really smart, astute way of doing business here because then you just have that one holdover piece just makes it easier for Isaiah Williams to buy into this new scheme and Shimon Cooper and it keeps you tight with St. Louis and and so I I just think I just like the approach of this staff and putting it together and one thing that we gave Lovey Smith a lot of credit for was his ability to find minority coaches and give them a chance at the big stage right and that's a great thing that he did but the thing is too that he had what seven or eight black coaches on his staff if you look at Brett Bielema's, he has six. So mm-hmm. it's not like he's 
and ignoring that aspect of it either, how, how diversity is super important in a college football staff. And, and Bielema did that as well, including having a black defensive coordinator, which is huge. And, and I think the interesting part is here, um, Isaac, is he's got guys who coached under him, right? Um, he's got you know Aaron Henry and Terrence Jamison played for him. Uh, Bart Miller coached for him. Um, Kevin Kane has coached for him. But he also got two coordinators he's never coached with. So he's bringing new ideas. George McDonald was on his staff for three or four weeks at Arkansas, right? So those are new ideas that are all coming in. I think, you know, Brett probably learned that NFL um, because he's never done this before. He's usually just had guys he's brought up. I guess Arkansas, he kind of switched up his staff. And it didn't work very well for him, by the way. Um, But I think he's done a pretty good job of – People who understand who he is, but also people who've been in this game for a long time. And you know, Ryan Walters has a bright future, probably going to be a head coaching candidate if it works out here. Kevin Kane, I think, has a bright future, possibly could be a head coaching candidate down in the future. And then I think you've got guys who can work there up to where they could be coordinators here uh, at Illinois someday. I think Bart Miller is a really, really impressive guy. So that combination of energy, familiarity, but also some outside ideas, I think, is, is just a very good mix. And Brett clearly was looking for that he told us he was looking for that and it's easy to like a coaching staff when they're undefeated right and they're just cruising right along right now and it's a little bit of the honeymoon stage and maybe maybe down the road we'll look back and go man what are they doing because remember we really like some of lovey smith's first initial hires garrick mcgee was fantastic like that was i was like wow like illinois in business they're able to hire a former fbs head coach and guy who recruited lamar jackson right like that on paper was a great hire exactly and so i think that we have we we can we can have optimism now. We have to see it, but I just just the mindset. This just looks like it has more potential to work. You don't like, and we talk a little bit about we were there for that 2019 season, and I don't want to say it was all luck, but you had a lot of lucky breaks that happened in that 2019 four game winning streak. That really, you, you know what I mean? Like think about it. Like the Wisconsin, the turnovers, the the Witherspoon, uh, the tackle right there at the, with the shoestring tackle at the one yard line and getting stops. Purdue, you get an aerial approach team that has to play through a rainstorm, right? You got a 10-10 game with Rutgers that you come back from. Michigan State, the quarterback gets concussed and throws an interception on the next play because the refs didn't see it. That changed the game. So it's just like we can say like this staff just feels like it gives you a little bit more of a chance. You're not necessarily relying on needing 27 takeaways to compete. You know what it is? Two words that I think of. It's conventional. Like this is this is a conventional coaching staff, right? College coaching staff. And it's very competent, right? Like the experience here, um, the cachet that Brett Bielema has or just the respectability because he's done this at a high level before, even if he had just had the Arkansas tenure, at least like you look at that Arkansas tenure compared to what they have now and you're like, that guy was better than what they've had the last at what right. after what they replaced him with, so um, I just think he comes with with that like credibility um, at the college level that some of these other coaches you're like, well Beckman's got to prove it. Like if Lance Leipold came in here, he would have had to prove it at this level. Be almost done it. He's had success, but also some failure at it. And being at the NFL, I think it humbled him, right? But he also learned a lot. And I kind of wrote this like when he got hired after I met with him, like. These three years away from it, you can tell he was putting together, how am I going to be successful my first time? And he's thinking about every little thing. Like even yesterday, he's talking about how can we use this 
the recruiting rules and the pandemic right now, how can we use this to our advantage? Like what, how can we get a little advantage? He goes in state, we should be on these kids better than anybody because they can't come in here. Wow. Them. We have the connections. We need to make those connections. So I just find all of that really, really interesting. And I think this guy's really hungry to make this work. Exactly. And that's the hunger. That's the hunger that I, you really want. And, you know, I'm up here. And so I'm, I'm actually like 35 minutes away from the Wisconsin border. So you have a lot of Wisconsin people around here. And when you bring up Rhett Bielema, they don't always have the nicest thing to say. Oh, he's just a jerk. Oh, he's just, you know, entitled. He's a prick. He's an asshole. All those different <laughs> things. Like they say all those things. But I think that the person that he is now is a whole lot different than the person that he was then. And I think the Arkansas failure might have humbled him a little bit going into the NFL and seeing what it's like to work under one of the best masterminds, football masterminds ever, probably the best coach of all time. Like you just, it just feels like Brett's a different person now than what he was then. And, you know, I wasn't following Wisconsin and Brett Bielema all that closely back then, but it's just, it's, it's refreshing. And it just feels like you got a chance. You got a puncher's chance now to be good or competent right away and build something that can be a little bit more sustainable. We got two more on football. Uh, How good do you think they can actually be? in 2021 with all these guys coming back. I mean, you're bringing back basically your entire offensive and defensive lines, and you're bringing back a quarterback with experience in a couple other pieces, right? So how good can that group be? I'm still really worried about the explosiveness of their wide receivers. And when that's a question for you, I think you'll only run the ball, but sometimes if you don't have those explosive wide receivers, like baby, such a big loss. I'm not sure they have the guys that can really step up. Brian Hightower is a nice piece. The Notre Dame transfer is a nice piece as well. But like, I just, it maybe feels like this offense's ceilings a little bit capped. So I don't think this is going to be one of the top 35, 40 offenses in the country, but I think this defense can be competent, right? I think that you have enough veterans where it can be competent. And I don't know if they're going to end up having a winning record because I just don't know what the X's and O's are going to look like and how these pieces come together. But I don't, this isn't going to be a two and 10 team. This isn't going to be a team that struggles to get past a Rutgers, right? Or like one of the worst teams in the conference. So I think I I probably would put my over under is probably like four and a half, maybe five right now. And I think that's kind of what you are. And if it's five in year one and, and, whoever is the quarterback, if Brandon Peters is your quarterback and you're starting to, to be competent and give yourself a chance to pull off some of these upsets, that's fine. But I still, I think that the talent level, you're not quite at the talent level of some of these upper echelon teams, but I still, I look at this roster and I go, there's, this is not a two win roster. Like this is a four or five win roster. You should compete and you probably shouldn't get be blown out by Minnesota's or the Northwestern's or the Wisconsin's of the big 10 West. Yeah. I think you need to be like, that's what was so disappointing last year. Most of those games were uncompetitive again. And it was like, I think that's why Whitman had to make the move because it was clear that Illinois was not competing at the same level, even with the COVID and in the weird year, like you, you got to be able to compete better against your rivals and late in the season, even with most of their full roster, they weren't able to do it. I do think this team will be able to run the football. Uh, I do think Brandon Peters, the one thing he does that I think Brett Bielma and Tony Peterson really like, he doesn't turn it over. Right. I think, and I think that's going to be big for them. You got to use the tight ends more. I mean, Luke Ford has to be involved. And I think, you know, with Tony Peterson talking about 12 personnel, I think that's a good thing because I don't think you have three wide receivers you're going to want on the field at the same time. That's a huge concern for me. I think you be patient in the transfer portal, Isaac. See if you can find a, a late Josh Bebe, right? Like, see if a, one of those guys becomes available uh, this summer. So I think you got to be patient, but you got to add one more difference maker there. Defensively, I think you should be solid up front. Right, like you, you have guys that I think can maybe stop the run. Is Owen Carney going to be 
second or third in the sacks again. Probably not because all of that was basically in one game. But he was much better, right? Rod Perry was an upgrade. I think Johnny Newton, Seth Cole, and Keith Randolph with another year are fine. Linebacker's an issue. It's it's a big issue after losing Jake Hansen. It's been an issue. Really, I mean, it was an issue last year for the team outside of Hansen, in my opinion. Tolson was pretty good, but he's hurt. Barnes hurt. You know, Shimon Cooper hurt. And in the secondary, you return a lot of guys outside of Nate Hobbs, but they weren't very good last year. So I think there there's an upside of this team to where hey, maybe they could win seven games, right? Something like that. But I think we got to see it, and I think. Brandon Peters is a big X factor. You mentioned explosiveness. I don't think they have it on either side of the ball uh, that much. And then it's X's and O's. It's how good is this staff? Like what what kind of plan do they put together? Brett Bielma said they get together from 6 a.m. to noon every day to talk X's and O's and build this basically new offense and new defense. Like they're building it from scratch based on their personnel. And that'll probably change as they go through spring ball and and fall camp. But um, I'm really excited to see what they do roll out and how much better they can get with a new set of eyes and a new, you know, driver of the bus here at Illinois. Well, and that's the thing, like if if we're making a basketball comp, like comp here, it's like just having like a new eyes in the system and seeing like what, what, what you can do. And maybe understanding that, like, you got to get away from who you are. And Lovey Smith wasn't really open to getting away from who you are, right. Or, or changing things up. And Brad totally ditched his whole scheme that got made him famous, right? Like that got him this job. He decided, you know what, I'm done with it because it's not working. And Stephen Gentry is a huge part of that. It's and like the that, biggest like, difference between those two coaches, right? Like, love you. We yeah. knew it. We, we knew it. And people, I think, in that program knew this was not working, right? And you had a chance to reset and hire a new defense coordinator, and he doubled down on himself. And I said, right when that happened, I go, man, I, I guess kudos to him. Like, he's, he's putting it all on himself, but it just did not seem like a good bet based on what we'd seen. And it just – college – I mean, the NFL had figured that scheme out, right? I mean, you don't see it very much in the NFL, but the Houston Texans are saying, hey, bring it back. We'll see how it works. But, like, that's I, – I was on record on uh, Tay and Jay five years ago when they brought up the name Lovey Smith. I said, guys, I just think that defense is, is kind of outdated. And Lovey Smith was – I mean, I get it. It was his calling card. Right. And he believed in it. But I think you needed way better athletes. And in this college game with the quarterbacks, you have the dual threat, all of that. I just didn't think he had the personnel to even come close uh, to pulling that off. And, and you already you can already tell Bielma, he's going to run some kind of three man front when he gets all his guys in here. They'll mix it up. But that's the thing. They're going to mix it up. They're going to disguise things. They're going to be aggressive, Isaac. It's going to be uh, I don't, it's not going to work every time. But I think it's just going to give offenses and offensive coordinators um, much bigger challenge in just scheming and dis- and figuring out what they're actually doing. That's the thing. Like that is the thing. Like I feel like defense now with all of these rules in football that, that have changed or benefited the offense. The biggest thing in defense now is just making that quarterback think for that half or second longer or that second longer. And the problem with Lovey Smith's scheme is that other coaches would say in press conferences they weren't even hiding it. We know what they're going to do every single time. They, they know what they gonna run do. what they run right. Like that. That's right. what you heard from them. And the, and the quarterbacks know exactly where it's going to be, and especially like in that Iowa game. You're up 14 nothing. They have a guy who's seeing this defense for the first time. That first quarter looked ugly for him. And then it just settled in because they said, you know what, if you throw it out to the tight end streaking down the seam, he's probably going to be wide open. And they did it over and over and over. And so it just felt like really easy. So I, that's that's the thing that excites me about Bielema because it's not going to be the same. It's going to be different. And I think that they're going to go into games with – 
a, a little bit more like deception in mind. And I think that's huge right now for defense and in college football and in the NFL right now. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you think of their recruiting approach so far? I, I like some of the things with the in-state stuff. I, I think that prioritizing your in-state is really good and it's, he's saying the right things, but you also have to go get dudes. And if those dudes are in Florida and if those dudes are in Texas, you just need to get them, right? It doesn't really matter to me at this, at, at, at that point. So I like the idea of splitting up the, splitting up the the state into different quadrants, which is something that Lovey Smith kind of did a little bit. We heard a little bit about Rod Smith telling us which state, which cities in Illinois were his and all that stuff. Kind of abandoned but, that though. Right? Like he, right. After first couple years, even though he did pretty well in state his first year, kind of abandoned that and, and said, I'm going to hire director of high school relations from Texas twice. Right. right? And, and then he goes, we're going to go Florida, Georgia, Texas heavy. And I get it. Like, I understand that because there are only 25 to 35 power five kids in Illinois every year, right? In Georgia, there's a hundred in Florida. There's 250, 300 Texas. There's 250 to 300. Um, but I like that. Bielma was also like, I think you have to make that effort and stay because those kids are just more likely to come to you. Right. And when I'm talking to Ch- Sebastian cheeks and Jared Beatty, and they don't hear from Illinois, like how does that happen? Uh, you just can't, that can't happen. You have to take your chance at these guys. But I also like that Brett is going to Wisconsin, Minnesota, Ohio. I think they're going to get into Michigan and Indiana a little bit. It's just the odds are more likely that those guys are going to stick closer to home. And I don't expect Illinois to, to get a bunch of these kids. But if you can get a Teddy Karras out of Indianapolis, right? Like, that's a big time get. Dewan Smoot out of Ohio. Back got some good kids out of there. Um, and then, of course, you go Florida. Of course, you go Texas. And, of course, you go Georgia. Um, but I, I just thought the Midwest has too much talent that fits what works in the Big Ten West. And it's too close and there's too much talent close to home not to go try and get it. Agreed. And then I also liked his, um, you know, using his resources wisely, where it's like understanding the flight patterns and like where to send different guys so you could stop at multiple places at one time. It just feels like, okay, this dude's really thought about stuff. Like he's really understood what he wants to do. And I, I agree with you. There's so much talent in the Midwest that, that especially like, especially offensive linemen. And we saw it early, like this offensive line that we all love so much for so many years was in-state guys, Illinois guys, Alex Balczewski, Vidarian Lowe, Kendrick Green, Doug Kramer, like find those guys. And if you could build your program around those guys, and maybe you have to go to Florida or Texas to find your explosive guys, that's fine. But there shouldn't be a situation where you're constantly behind the eight ball with almost every single in-state recruit. And I think Bielema's going to come try to change that. Yeah. All right, let's get a few hoops thoughts before we let you go. Um, Huge week for Illinois with the win over Iowa, the win at Indiana, which was even bigger because you just have Iowa DeSumo on the bench. It was an ugly game, and we would have been talking about the refs so much, but Illinois found a way to overcome that. The one thought I keep coming back to, Isaac, is Illinois is in the mix in the Big Ten. Uh, we'll see what happens with Michigan because that game uh, reportedly is going to be canceled with Illinois or postponed at least. I don't know how they're going to fix this. I don't know how they're going to determine a Big Ten champion. But a huge game against Wisconsin on Saturday. But I keep coming back to this. Um, Brad Underwood is now 21-10 and 10 in the Big Ten the last two years. Illinois is, is back. Right? Illinois basketball is back. And I just kind of want to take a moment to sit there and go – Wow. Right. I mean, for the depths Illinois has gone, 
you know, Indiana is trying to get back there and they're struggling under a guy that everyone thought was a home run hire. Meanwhile, Brad Underwood, first two years, not too good, but then he changes uh, everything, changes things up, and he continues to land really good talent. We're seeing that with Curbelo, Coburn, Desumu, Adam Miller, um, and it's, it's working. Like this, this, you look back on this four years later, and Brad Underwood was a smashing success, and, and he's going to have to continue it. But I think we see with Curbelo, Miller, some of the talent he's bringing in here, they should be pretty good for a while, but they're back among, I think, you could say the top five in the Big Ten comfortably, um, or at least the top six for the next, for I guess what we see is the future. It's really amazing, isn't it? How quickly it can change, and and that's the thing. Like just like it means it doesn't doesn't feel that long ago that Jalen Coleman Lands was needing a corner three to beat Chicago State to this, and it's just like it's just it's crazy, and it's it's really fun, and I think that. You know, at the end of the day, like we both covered Illinois football, like that was kind of our thing. And Derek did basketball. And we also chipped in on basketball. But this is a basketball school. It's a basketball state. And when you can when you're good in hoops, like it just changes the whole d- dynamic of it. And I thought that Indiana game was just monstrous. I thought that was a better win than the Iowa win. Honestly, like you already had that built up frustration about Iowa. They're going to come in. They're going to be ready to roll to try to beat Iowa. They don't like them. Indiana was a gut check. You don't have your best player. You're playing guys playing a rotation that hadn't played together much all season long. The fouls, the inconsistency of the game was just like it was just rough. And you found a way to grind out a win over a desperate team. And so that type of, that's an NCAA tournament type of win. That's a, that's a win that you can kind of circle and go back and say, listen, this is when we were really tough. This is when a lot of things didn't go our way. We still found a way to win. And the sustained success long-term, like, I mean, I just even think about it, like heading into the year before IO even came back, we're like, okay, this is Adam's team, right? Like this is going to be an Adam, like Adam's going to be our IO and everything. And Adam hasn't even been that great for you yet. And you're still able to do all of these things. And there's still an upside for this team. And it's just, it goes back to changing your scheme and understanding your talent and building around your best players and putting them in the best positions to win. And that's really, it's really, really cool. Cause this, this team's not going anywhere. This team's yeah. not going anywhere for a while and developing them. I mean, think of how much better Kofi Coburn has gotten. Like I, I need to get on. <laughs> Maybe I need to write it. Like he's a legit all America candidate. Like, I, I know people like I would assume I, I, in my player grades, Isaac, Kofi's taking the lead over over Io and Io's having an all America season, but it's just the impact he makes on both ends of the court. We said it when both those guys came back or we were discussing it for, for months. Will these guys come back? I kept saying Kofi's the most important one because you just don't have another guy like him. Now, Curbelo is not as good overall as Io doesn't do some of the things Io does. Adam Miller is not as good as Io doesn't do some of the things Io does, at least right now in their careers. You just don't have another guy, and there's not really another guy in college basketball who's quite like Kofi Coburn, and his development has been unbelievable. So kudos to Underwood, Antigua, all that staff for that. I mean, Io's development, right? I I know people around him might not have liked Brad saying Luka Garza is the best player in the country, which, hot take, Luka Garza is probably going to win National Player of the Year because he deserves it. Um, But Io's in that mix, and Io's gone from – you know, really not an NBA prospect coming in uh, to all of a sudden, like he's top 35 on ESPN's board. They're believers after not being believers the last couple of years. So uh, I think they've developed him and I think that helps them on the recruiting trail. And I know there's angst about this class of 2021, understandably so. 
But I think they're going to find guys. I think they're going to land guys here. And, and Derek and I talked about that in a recent pod. If you want to go back and listen to that, but um, I just think he's put together a really good staff. And at some point, some of these guys will probably be taken away. But Antigua was recruited his butt off and developed them. Chin Coleman's recruited his butt off and developed them. And now you have Stephen Gentry coming in here, who's been such an X factor and looks like a future head coach as well, just based on his X's and O's. And then he goes and gets a kid like Luke Goody, who's having a great senior year. Um, He's hired well. He's recruited well now. Maybe not perfect in the recruiting trail, but he's gotten really good players. And the systems have worked. Uh, that That's how you draw it up, right? And uh, hopefully, Bielma can follow the same success. Have I told you my Stephen Gentry story that I heard? No. Okay, so Zach Griffith and I are pretty good friends. We played against each other in high school, right? So he come like we actually lived together our senior year of college. So I'm living with Zach and his older brother, who was one of my best friends. And Zach comes home from practice one day and is like telling me about Stephen Gentry when after he got hired. And they're like, he walked in and he's like the skinny white guy. And we're like, well, he's thinking he's going to go work with the guards. And the first thing that he does in practice is he goes up to Kofi. He's like, dude, your footwork just stinks. Like, it just, we need to fix all this footwork stuff. He's down with the big men for a while, working with all of their footwork with Georgie and, and, and all of these guys. And, and I think Kofi's footwork has really improved. Awesome. In the, like, it's just been so big. So, like, it was cool. And then the other Gentry thing is every single day, He'd have a uh, one of the guy like a staffer would come up to him and write down like a like a potential play like eight seconds left ball out of bounds on the sideline. What are you going to do? And Gentry has to write up a play, drop a play, a different one every single day. That's what he does, and it's just like he's just a nerd, and I love yeah. that. I like I love all of that about him, and I think that it's no coincidence that the moment that he's gotten here, things have changed for the better. And Derek broke that down in a great story, which you should always go back and read some of that stuff. But it, it, it's just changed a lot. And I think that his impact is all across this roster, helping Kofi with his footwork, helping Andre Curbelo understand angles even better, right? Like the improvement that Andre has made since the beginning to now, he still makes dumb turnovers. We're still in moments where it's like, what are you doing, dude? Mm-hmm. But man, he's so much better. And he's so talented. And, and Illinois is so much better when he's on the floor. And then culture, the culture of this team is just Trent buying into defense and loving defense. He couldn't guard me four years ago is what Underwood said, right? Mm-hmm. Like understanding Coleman Hawkins coming in and that's recruiting to your, to recruiting to your system and recruiting to your culture. That's a great culture guy to come in. Grandison has bought into it too. So it's just up and down this roster. They just really bought in. Who finishes top three in the Big Ten before I let you go? Oh, man. I think – this is so weird to say because, like, I just don't know how many games Michigan's going to play, but I think that they're going to have the advantage just because the games they're not going to be able to make them up. So I'll put them in one. Yeah, and I think I think Illinois fans are really upset about Michigan. I understand. We don't know how this will be figured out, and they've missed some really good opponents. Um, mm-hmm. And if they have four fewer games than everybody and they win because of win percentage, it doesn't seem quite fair. But if you've watched them, they are awesome. Like, they, they have been great this year. Now, I want to see them tested more by Illinois, Iowa, Ohio State, all of them. But they have crushed teams throughout most of the year. So Michigan is, yes, they are definitely uh, top until someone knocks them off until they play again, which is going to be really interesting because they haven't been able to practice. Right. So I think they're, they're definitely one. I think Illinois finishes in the top three. And then this last one, I think I, I told you guys in our group chat they're, earlier that I really liked Ohio State as a long-term sleeper. And they've gotten hot. I think tonight's game is huge where they play Iowa on the road. I don't think that they'll win this game. I think Iowa's probably going to be it and be that third team. But Ohio State is really good. Chris Holtman 
is a great hire. It's been a great hire in his ability to get culture and find his guys too and also weed out the bad ones. There's a reason why some of those guys in Ohio State aren't there this year, and it's been a much better culture and a much better team. But gun to my head, I'll probably go Iowa as that third spot. Cheeseburger to the head. That's how we see it. Uh, Who would have thought Archie Miller would be three on those hires of that cycle? It's amazing. I mean, mean, it really is. It really is. And I I think I would – I think I'd still probably put Holtman one just barely above great. Underwood, but it's it's really close. It's really close. They're both really outstanding coaches. And I think it'd be really fun to do like a coaches poll, like ranking the coaches in the yeah. conference this year because by other coaches. And I think I'd be interested to see how high Holtman and Underwood are up there because they're held in high esteem by everybody else. Yeah, Holtman, I believe, is 14 games over 500 in the Big Ten since he got here. Now, he inherited a better situation. Uh, than, than Underwood or Miller, I think, but uh, had one kind of down year, but they've been they've been in the mix ever since. And man, landing EJ Liddell, like, like that that kid for me probably would be a first team All Big Ten, and that, that's saying something given the Big Ten we see right now. Well, and even think about some of the mistakes that Holtman has endured. Like DJ Carton was supposed to be their guy, and he's gone. And then Alonzo Gaffney was another one that another huge recruit last year, and he's gone. And yeah. so they've kind of dealt with a lot of stuff. And you know, the Western guys are tough to get along with sometimes. And you had uh, some interesting play from Luther Muhammad last year, and off the court stuff with Muhammad. And he's just navigated it really well. And I, I'm really impressed with that team. I really like that team. And you know, people were kind of freaking out when Illinois lost them at home. And I, I mean, I didn't like how Illinois played in that first half, but I think we have to kind of give them their due that Ohio State's a really, really good basketball team. But the thing is, is that like, you know, I look at Michigan, Michigan's a bad matchup for Illinois with some of their big wings that they can trot out there. But every time you go out, they're going to have to try to stop Kofi. I don't know if they can do that. And I think Kofi's your big X factor. So if they get a chance for Michigan, I think you could eat Hunter Dickinson and eat some of their other big men inside. Yeah, if we were doing like a future rankings of, of the Big Ten, I'd probably have Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois, Wisconsin, Purdue. I, th- I think those are – I mean, what Matt Painter's doing yet again, like he's just such a good coach. Iowa, just, I don't know what they are after all these guys leave. Right? I mean, they, they could have all these guys leave after this year. So people are probably saying the same thing about Illinois, but I think we see like, mm-hmm. you know, could Kofi be back for another year? I think that's a possibility. Um, Curbelo, Miller – like you still got to add pieces, but you know I, I think Illinois is going to be in that top six-ish. So you could argue Illinois, Iowa there, but I, I think Ohio State and Michigan just talent-wise, and those coaches have been really good, better than I thought. And then Wisconsin and Purdue are just so dang consistent. Agreed, agreed. I think you know I, I, did, I didn't even say Michigan State. Like that's kind of crazy to me, isn't it? That, <laughs> I should probably I need to put Michigan State in there because they have what the best basketball. Amani Bates, like the best high school basketball player coming in. Yeah, they're going to be really good. They also have a point guard, which they desperately, desperately need yeah. coming in, too. That's going to be good. But I, I will say, I think I was got a chance to land one of the kids that's up here by me, Eli King from Caledonia. If you haven't known his name, you probably should go look at his highlights. I was done a really good job recruiting him. They play up to his style, and he's he's a stud. He, the, the, he is one of those kids. He doesn't have any social media, no Twitter, no Instagram. He doesn't even have a phone. He doesn't have a phone. He's a country boy from a like a farm town in Caledonia. And he's 6'2", he's balding, and he comes out and he just jumps over people and dunks on them. Like, he's just awesome. awesome. So he's a junior this year. So if Iowa gets him, that'd be be a big-time get for them. But I, I agree with you, man. Like, I even think Rutgers is going to be around for a while, too. I don't well, know that's, if That's the Big Ten, or, right? Like, that's where it's like, yeah. I'm so, I like, I'm, I'm high on Illinois. I'm high on Ohio State, Michigan. But it's like, I, I've left out Michigan State there. And I'm like, oh, I got to put them in. The, who do I knock out? 
right? And that's Maryland's probably going to be back at some point. Like it's just, it's such a loaded conference. Can we say this though? Wisconsin is so overrated. Like they're so <laughs> overrated. I will find I, out. I literally, like, I am in pain watching them play. Like, I am in literal physical pain watching them try to win basketball games. So they do it with their style, but my God, like, Reavers is so soft. Micah <laughs> Potter's fighting with coaches on the bench and screaming at coaches. Demetric Trice is, like, 27 years old and should be selling insurance. Like, this is such an old, like, I just, I really think Illinois should just beat them to smithereens this weekend just end it because we're i'm done with the wisconsin hype and love and all of that stuff that's like brad underwood's ideal though just being old and skilled right a little tougher and maybe playing a little faster that's what he'd do and play with swagger like wisconsin doesn't have any swagger at all they have like six nine white kids that can't jump off the floor so like (laughs) illinois actually plays with some swagger and and some flash with curbella so they don't have a curbella (laughs) good stuff isaac any life updates how's maddie doing everybody doing well Good. She got her uh, vaccine. So she's all awesome. vaccinated up, I think, uh, which is huge. Um, we're all doing good. The puppy's growing big. Um, yeah, just kind of chilling. I, I, you know, I'm kind of in that stage where it's like, I've, I've been here for a year. I don't, I don't know if I'm, I'm kind of in that in between where it's like, do I start looking for something else? How do we work yeah. this with grad school that she's going to try to end up going? So we got a lot, a lot of big stuff on the horizon. Got to figure it all out together, but it's, it's been good. Well, congrats on Nolan Arenado. Uh, you sure. should be absolutely pumped. And I know you are. I, I think I'm gonna have to get a jersey. I'm not a big jersey boy, but I think I'm gonna have to get a jersey because he's he's elite. What's the last baseball jersey you got? I only have one jersey. I have a Yachty Molina jersey. That's it. Smart I'm, a, I'm not I'm not a big jersey guy. Like I just haven't been. So, but I think Arenado is gonna be the gonna be the one. Just because I I love the defense. The defense is so so special. And at YouTube at night. Watching his highlights is really fun. Really, really fun. We had this conversation on radio, and I think I told you the story. The White Sox, somebody I know there, gifted me a Yoan Moncada because he was kind of my guy, right? He was one of the first guys to arrive. And I got a signed Yoan Moncada hanging out here in the, the office. I think the last jersey I bought, though, was in the excitement of finally getting a quarterback. I got the White Bears Jay Cutler jersey. And the great thing about that jersey is it still holds up because Jay Cutler is an attitude, right? Like, and, and it's kind of like, it's ironical to wear the Jay Cutler jersey. So it's kind of still cool in my opinion. Plus it's the white Bears jerseys, which I love. Those I are think so sweet. Great. Um, so I, I would still wear that jersey uh, to a big Bears game. All right. What's the next jersey you think is on your list of buying? Like what would be the next one? Mine's probably Arenado. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's, it's Arenado. Like what would yours be? I think mine would be an old school one. Like, I think I would go like Mark Burley or Frank Thomas. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost better to buy them after so that, like, you know they're going to wear Like, Austin Berkland keeps buying jerseys that end up being awful, right? Like, he's got an Addison. What do you do with an Addison Russell jersey? What do you do Burn with it? A, yeah, what do you do with a Carson Wentz and Nick Foles Eagles jersey right now? I guess Foles is, works because he, he won a Super Bowl. I, he desperately needs to get a Jalen Hurts jersey next. That's the one. That's the one. I, I almost guarantee is a Zach Hurts jersey too. And Zach Hurts is now like an old decrepit yeah. man, like trying to play. So like you got to be really smart with how you invest it, right? Like if you're going to invest in a guy current player jersey, like Illinois fans could go buy an IO jersey right now if they want, and that holds up, right? Uh, or a Kofi one. But if you're like an MLB, NBA, NFL fan, like you got to. I guess it would be. Giolito or Aloy because I love those guys like I'm a big fan of like their games obviously but I guess Jose Abreu would hold up because he's already solidified his legacy 
but I'm not even going to go like buy a magical jersey right now. Like Luis Roberts, exciting, and I think he could be the best player on the team. But like, what if he's not? Like in two years, right. what am I going to do with that? What if he's Yasiel Puig? Yeah, like yeah, I, I, I hope he's not, but like that's possible. Like, yeah, I think long term, I think Arenado would be my next one. You know, I I really like Jack Flaherty off the field. Like he's a really funny follow on Twitter. Yeah. I don't know if he's ever going to be a Cardinal long term. That's my concern because I don't want to buy a, a Flaherty jersey and have three years later he's pitching for the Dodgers, throwing seven shutout games against the Cardinals in the NLCS. Yeah, I would say Wainwright's easy. You could just get that right, right? Um, or you could do Arenado because he's going to be with you for seven years unless he opts out. But if he opts out, he probably had a monster year and you might have won a World Series. Patrick Williams. City edition Bulls jersey. <laughs> That's the next one. <laughs> all in, all in. Awesome, man. It's great to catch up. Uh, give Maddie my best, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, hopefully, man. Sounds good. See you. And as always, with Isaac Trotter, I plan on 20 or 30 minutes of a podcast, and we end up going for almost 45 minutes. But hopefully you enjoyed it. I know I did. Uh, it was just us catching up together, and uh, consider him a, a close friend, and it's great catching up with him, seeing him do well in the industry. And uh, lots to talk about with Illinois, with his Cardinals, with Lovey Smith, the Texans. Great stuff. Great stuff. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, and we have plenty of content up right now at Illini Inquire. And thank you to all our new members who signed up. More than 50 new members on the site. Thank you. Appreciate you and all the support. Joey Wagner has a great story on Nick Algretti, who will be playing in his second straight Super Bowl. Um, just a heartfelt story. And, and it's just peak Allegretti family love. Uh, so go check that one out right now. I've gotten to know that family over the last, what now, six years, and uh, just one of the best. And uh, you'll find out more why if you read that story. Also, a lot of recruiting content. I focused on the class of 2022. Joey's got a piece up on how Brett Bielma was going to structure his recruiting department, which was great to get that kind of insight from him. Uh, and some updates as well from some high school prospects who have offers. With more on Alana Hoops coming up as well, and I'll dive more uh, into Illinois football recruiting coming up on the site. And if you missed out on that 60% off deal. You can still get 30% off an annual VIP membership right now. It's more than $30 of savings. Or if you want to just try us out for a month, $1 for your first month, uh, you can sign up at IlliniInquire.com. Thank you all for listening to the Illini Inquire podcast. If you don't already, subscribe to us, rate us, review us. We appreciate when you do that. It certainly helps us out. Everybody stay warm. Uh, with all the snow coming in yet again, it's going to be a very, very cold weekend as well. Uh, but take care of each other uh, while you're indoors this weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Alana Inquirer podcast. <laughs>